recently the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. implemented changes regarding the Latin Mass, as well as the neighboring diocese of Arlington. Today, we talk with Noah Peters about the Latin Mass pilgrimage in Washington, D.C., and the weekly rosary rallies at the Nunchature at on the One Peter Five podcast. Jesus is King. Welcome to the One Peter Five podcast, rebuilding Christendom, restoring Catholic culture and tradition. I'm Timothy Flanders, the editor in chief of One Peter Five, and I'm joined today by Mr. Noah Peters. Noah, how you doing, brother? Good, good, doing well. Very, very busy uh, planning all this stuff. Uh, it's a crazy time uh, here uh, in the diocese of Arlington and uh, in the in the Washington D.C. area. Um, you know, with all the stuff going on with the traditional Latin Mass and trying to discern, you know, how we can, as lay people, really say. Um, you know, this this is something that we uh, we feel a lot of sorrow about over um, and also at the same time uh, show our appreciation for the TLM and all the graces that it's given us over the years. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to get into this. I think this is a very, very important effort that you have spearheaded um, very much um, after. I'm not sure if you followed the same model, but I mean, the Chicagoans also have they started doing the same thing after their bishop made changes. And I think this is a very important model that many faithful can follow. Uh, so let's we'll get into that in just a minute. Before we do, just want to remind everyone, 1 Peter 5 is a tax deductible or nonprofit organization. We've got our bills to pay. So we would appreciate if anybody can chip in anything per month, $5, $10, $15, anything you can afford, 1peter5.com slash donate. That helps us do what we do. So uh, Noah, so you tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, to start this off, you are a convert to the Catholic faith. Are, are you a lifelong resident of D.C. as well? Yeah, I was uh, born and grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I, I went away for college and uh, in law school. Um, I'm a lawyer, um, but I, I returned to the area about eight years ago. Um, and I'm an even newer uh, Catholic. I just joined the church in uh, 20, was baptized in 2020. Um, during uh, the height of COVID, um, which is really, uh, you know, a, a kind of a strange time to be coming into the church um, in a lot of ways, um, you know, very, a very difficult and, and confusing time in the church. Um, but, you know, what I think really, um, really solidified my faith um, was finding the TLM. Um, you know, I was intrigued and, and interested in the Catholic faith. Um, but I think the, the moment when I, when I really felt, wow, this is it, you know, was um, was experiencing the Latin Mass at uh, St. Rita um, and St. John the Beloved and other um, wonderful locations here in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and so, you know, it was just such a powerful, transformative experience. My wife and I also, um, you know, our big part of our courtship was going to the TLM every week, and it was really the foundation of our relationship. Um, we got married in an extraordinary form wedding um, in October of 2021. And so um, it's really been a, a very jarring um, experience to come into the church, find uh, find the TLM, which, uh, you know, something I love, um, and then have it kind of taken away um, so quickly and so suddenly and, and be have, you know, be told, no, 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 this isn't something that you can have too freely. This isn't something, um, 
you really should feel comfortable indulging. And in fact, some of the implementation plans talk about moving towards a unified form of, of the mass, phasing out the TLM entirely. Um, so it's really, it, it was really to um, to myself and, and the people who attend the TLM, um, it's it's pretty, pretty jarring, um, a pretty jarring experience to be told, wow, you know, this could go away entirely in the span of two years. Man, it's a Friday afternoon. I'm already making 20 <laughs> errors. Uh, so did you experience the T the TLM before you became Catholic or was it only after you became Catholic that you found that? It was only after I, um, I had started attending, um, RCIA and started going through the process of converting that I found it. What really um, led me uh, to it in a lot of ways was, in fact, uh, COVID. And, you know, the uh, masses back then we had masses held in gyms um, because of COVID. You know, we had um, it was it was a little bit um, it, it was a little bit kind of an unsettling time in the church. And to go to um, St. Rita's and, and kind of be transported and to a timeless kind of liturgy um, was, I think, made it all the more profound um, when you talk about, you know, uh, socially distanced masses um, with loads of hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, and then, you know, in the, in the world that seems to have been uh, gone a little crazy um, during that time and then and then suddenly experienced the TLM. Um, it, it really heightened it and made it all the more powerful and made it all the more deeper um, to find it during that time. Now, what? Why didn't you stay with the English Mass, the Novus Ordo, if you were initially you you? So you started RCIA without any experience of the TLM. So you, at least, sounds like at the time you weren't even converting for the sake of any sort of TLM. Why didn't you just stay with the English Mass? Um, I I think one of the things was, I think we were just intrigued by it. I mean, even in RCIA, um, which was conducted by a, a priest who didn't celebrate the TLM, um, you know, he mentioned that the, the liturgy until um, until 1970 had existed for thousands of years, you know, really unchanged. Um, so even, even just reading about church history and uh, you start to come across um, the idea that, wow, this, this liturgy, the TLM is really something special in the history of the church. You know, it's really given lots of saints had great, obviously had great devotions to it. You know, Thomas Aquinas used to cry during um, during mass. Um, so it was something where as you got, as I got deeper into the faith, it was like, you know, might be worth checking out, um, might be something worth experiencing. Um, and I had also heard that, you know, St. Rita was a very special place. Um, so it was definitely something that you know, was on my list to check out um, because, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, St. Rita had become a, a hotspot. I, I almost feel bad mentioning it because I don't want it to be, it's one of the few locations that still has the mass. Um, so, you know, it, it's almost, uh, you almost don't know how much to say about it because you don't want, almost don't want um, it to become too big these days, which is a weird way to think about the liturgy. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it was a very special place. It is a very special place. And I encourage anyone who's in the D.C. area to check out St. Rita, St. John the Beloved, both beautiful, beautiful liturgies. Excellent. Now, can you tell us at all about your background? D did you were you raised some form of Christian before you tell me? Tell us about that. 
Yeah, actually, listening to the uh, Shia LaBeouf interview, um, it was actually very similar to how I was raised, um, kind of secular Jewish, um, culturally Jewish, you know, had a bar mitzvah, um, but just kind of transliterated the words. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't a, a profound spiritual connection there. Um, and, and just kind of growing up, um, you know, as, as I got older, I just really didn't didn't have very much religion at all, didn't have belief. Um, so it was, you know, that that's kind of my my background was, you know, more like just a secular, not really believing Jewish beforehand. And so how did you make the transition from secular to Catholic? Was there was it did you go straight to Catholic? Was there any steps along the way? Tell us about the initial contact or conversion. Yeah, that's a, a, a good question. Um, there was, I, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, Catholicism was really interesting. I always appreciated um, the church's uh, strong, you know, kind of moral foundation um, and the way that it, it kind of speaks in a, a timeless way, you know, the deposit of faith being unchanging, um, apostolic succession um, coming directly from, from Christ. And so all of that um, kind of made me, it made me interested in it and, and in learning more about it. Um, you know, it, it's almost like this philosophical tradition um, that is so interesting and so profound um, that it really is, it, it really does stand out, especially in the modern world. So it was something, something I, I wanted to learn more about. So yeah, I, I went directly to, um, to Catholicism um, without really passing through any other um, faith. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, were you? Uh, so this was two years ago. Now, were you in? That was when you converted. So, before that, you'd started RCIA. Um, did you just get curious? Like, were you in college at the time, or were you in law school, or how did this just arise? You just got curious out of out of yeah. Well, you know, seeing you know, seeing I think seeing trends in, in the in the world, and and you know, seeing. A world um, in a country that was—it felt like it was a little adrift, you know. Um, and um, personally, you know, I—it I, was something where you know, reading about it, I mean, it's such an important part of, of life, and it was something I really didn't have any contact with. So, um, you know, when I, um, so it was something I'd become more and more curious about, I would say. And really, when I when I had the time, um, you know, when it started, I, I just made the decision in in 2019. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna start doing this, start seeing what it's all about. And, you know, that was, that was kind of the first contact with it. Wow. Okay. So you, so you're in RCIA, you're learning the truths of the faith. You're curious about the Latin mass. Can you tell us about your first, do you remember your first Latin mass, how you felt, what, what impacted it? What did you have to get used to the Latin mass or was it sort of an instant connection? It wasn't an instant uh, connection. Um, you know, it was it's always a little tough when you when you start out um, to know quite what's going on and what all the, the different parts of the mass mean. Um, it's not. But then that makes it a lot uh, deeper and more interesting when you do start to learn a little more about it. Um, and there's stuff I learn uh, even, you know, going to every pretty much every Latin mass. I mean, there, there's stuff that I, I learn or I become more familiar with or more acquainted with. Um, you know, be it, I mean, there, there's so, there's just so much depth there. Um, I think one of the, you know, not, not to bash the, the Novus Ordo at all. Um, but you know, it's definitely a different experience because there it's more kind of just, uh, laid out, um, in kind of a, a way where, um, you know, 
it's you know it's it's in the vernacular um you know it, it's it, things are trying to be clearly demarcated you know within the mass like oh now we're now we're doing this now we're doing that um you know uh it's very much kind of a, a presentation in a way um whereas the latin mass and i think this is another thing that the shia labeouf interview really um captured it's something that you're kind of drawn into um, in a way. It's something that you have to really, um, you really have to discover um, what's going on. So yeah, so the first time uh, first time I went, I, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what the responses were, um, you know. So yeah. it, it became clear over time. Now, one of the important things that is brought up in this discussion and also by our, our hierarchy, the bishops, is that it's very important that the faithful actively to participate in the mass. And so it is often said that, well, the, the new mass, the Novus Ordo is in English or the vernacular, depending on where you are. I know in DC, there's multi, many, many different languages of the mass because there's many different language groups in Washington, DC. Um, and as a convert coming in, um, what what do you, what are your thoughts on active participation? Um, you know, it, it took you some time, whereas you, probably your first English mass, you were probably a lot more aware of what was going on, you know, or what was supposed to be said. You know, it was a lot easier to participate. Why did you gravitate towards something that was harder to participate in? Yeah, that's something um, I've I've thought about a lot as I've read more about the liturgy and about and and something I'm I, I honestly. Um, I, I do think a, a lot about. Um, I think that the, um, I mean, I, I think for, for one thing, the immersiveness of the, uh, of the TLM in some ways um, is, it, it, you know, in some ways maybe it does inhibit a little bit um, uh, active participation, but I think that's, that in some ways it's a good thing. It's almost one of the best experiences I think you can have is to be so overwhelmed that all you can do is just pray silently. I, mean, I think I think that's the attitude that we should have when we see, um, you know, a miracle, when we see the Eucharist unfold before our eyes. Um, you know, to I think to drop to our knees and just pray um, is one of the most appropriate and fitting ways that the faithful can um, participate in in the liturgy. Um, I think a lot of people. One of the things that people really like about the TLM is the silence. Is that they do have space to pray. And um, and to express gratitude or to uh, you know offer up their their prayers to God, um, I think you know when you have a, a, a noisier liturgy where there's more going on, sometimes um, people sometimes it can be more difficult. Um, so when you know I think that it is when when you you know pray a rosary during during mass or when you pray silently but very deeply, which a lot of people do during the TLM. I think that's the most beautiful form of active participation um, and, and the most fitting form of active participation really that the faithful can offer up. I mean, it's, it's, um, but, but, you know, there, some people like, um, you know, responsive prayer too. And I think it's, it's for, for people who, who like responsive prayer, um, you know, the Novus Ordo will, will probably be a better fit. But I think that there's nothing, and you mentioned mass being in different languages. I think as Catholics, we should be trying to make the liturgy accessible. Um, and, and if people find a deeper spiritual experience with the Latin mass, for the life of me, I can't understand why you wouldn't want to allow that and wouldn't even want to encourage it. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is distressing 
is we're, it's confusing the extent to which we are being driven underground underground. How much can we can we now talk about the TLM in, in our area? Um, you know, we can't advert. It's not advertised in the uh, bulletins anymore. Can't be. It can't be on the websites. So are we are we underground? What's our status within the church? It, it, it's strange. Can we take photographs of the new spaces where we're holding mass? Um, you know, how much can we even talk about uh, where the Latin mass is even being offered anymore? Um, it's a very, very, very confusing time. And it's, and it's so at odds with what we believe as, as Catholics, which is having a universe, a church for everyone. Um, and for me, it, it's, uh, it's very confusing and puzzling. Yeah. Um, I, let me ask you about um, that in just a minute, which is something that you mentioned in your article uh, at 1 Peter 5. We have Noah's uh, whole written story. Um, but first, one more question about this conversation about the English and the Latin. Um, another point that is raised by actually by Paul VI when he promulgated the new mass was that he said that modern man appreciates direct speech. And that was one of the reasons that he gave for making everything vernacular. And as a convert, as you know, you are, you were some form of a secularized Jew. And uh, so you were pretty modern sort of in your mindset, maybe before that. So I don't know if you would consider yourself sort of a modern man you were before, but you were in, in the throes of modernity. So why do you think that there, even though you were modern in your mindset, how did you go across that sort of barrier to this very ancient thing that is not sort of appealing to modern man? Yeah, I think it, it's um, it, it really shows you, I think, how much how different things were um, 50, 60 years ago when you read statements like that, like, you know, modern man expects the liturgy um, to be directly accessible in, in all its forms. I think it, it harkens back um, to a time, to a kind of like a, a, an assimilationist kind of ethic where the idea was we want to make um, the liturgy be more like everything else in life. You know, like it's, it should be more, um, it should be less medieval. It should be less um, existing in a, in a bygone era or something like that. It, it needs to be, you know, kind of spiffed, spiffed up and, and put, uh, made so that it looks like other things in the world. And I, I don't think that that's what people really um, want from liturgy anymore. I think what people want is a transformative experience. It's kind of an experience outside of time in space. Um, and I think that that's, that's what the liturgy really is about, um, is about creating a, a, a space where, you know, the, that feels miraculous, that, that, um, is appropriate for for the sacri holy sacrifice of the mass. Um, so, it, and I think we we comment a lot. We you know Vatican II, and and you've done a lot of good stuff about that. Was a response to things that were happening in modern society already, to a decline that was already in some ways underway. So, when we talk about Vatican II, you know, maybe we're not so much talking about about a turning point um, in the church as more of things in, in the surrounding world that were happening. Um, that were leading to less religious practice. And, and so as we continue to think about, um, about how we can stop the decline of the church, how we can you know, increase infant baptisms and weddings and all of that stuff, I think we do have to think about um, what do people want from, you know, what, what is attractive about the liturgy? What's the best setting for the liturgy? 
Is it something that looks like a lot of other things in society? Or is it something that kind of exists outside of time and space? And I think um, in a lot of ways, what we want is uh, is the latter, is something that doesn't look like modernity. Yeah, and I, I think that you're touching on something very important in that the, the new mass was promulgated for a particular generation, really, that that and, and that generation still really loves the English mass. You know, when you go to many of these parishes, there are many people of the older generation who love that mass. And, that and you know, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Um, but many of the younger generation value things like authenticity, historical antiquity and things like that, which is not was not really valued by that generation that, you know, back then. So. Um, you're touching on a very interesting point there. Um, can you comment at all about what, you know, you not only converted, you not only came to the TLM, but then you immediately received another sacrament, matrimony. You know, what has it been like to be a, a brand new convert? And then, you know, what has the Latin mass meant to your relationship with now your wife? Uh, can you elaborate more on the, the, the place of the Latin mass in your family? Yeah, I think it's something that, that really um, has been a great foundation for our relationship, uh, a very deep and solid foundation for, for our own marriage. Um, and, it, and I think it always calls us to, um, to greater knowledge and, and greater holiness um, in a lot of ways. You know, when, when we go to Mass, it's always, it's always drawing us to enter deeper into communion with uh, the Church and with Christ. And um, so, you know, and it's something that's calling us to learn more, to discover more about, um, you know, the saints, to discover more about church history, um, to discover more about how we can be better, um, be better Catholics um, at the end of the day, um, which is, you know, I think marriage is oriented towards God. It's oriented towards higher purposes. That's what um, the church teaches us. And so um, I think having the, the TLM as a foundation is really essential. I think when you don't have that kind of foundation in a relationship, uh, things can go sideways real quick. Um, you know, when you, when you don't have a marriage oriented towards a higher purpose. And I think that, um, you know, the, the TLM really reinforces that um, week after week and, and day after day. Excellent. So let's talk about um, D.C. and Arlington. Now, for non-Americans, um, the obviously Washington, D.C., if, if you're not familiar, if you're not an American, it's it's basically a separate state, which has a, it's entirely its own jurisdiction than all the other states. And so it's basically like a separate state. So there's a this totally separate diocese and the diocese of D.C. And then now is Arlington immediately so it's right across the Potomac. So it's it's completely bordering the diocese. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I just went to D.C. for the first time in my life this past March for Life. So um, I'm not that familiar with the area. So um, can you tell us a little bit about the, the D.C. and Arlington dioceses in terms of the Latin mass? Where what has it been like for the past few years, to your knowledge? Well, for the past few years, I think um, it's been one of the great success stories of Samorum Pontificum. Um, this is one area where both dioceses actually did allow for a, lot, a wide diffusion of diocesan Latin mass. Um, in, in many communities, you have to go to a special fraternity of St. Peter a Parish to get the Latin mass. So for example, in, in Richmond, you have to go to the fraternity. Um, in Baltimore, you have to go to the fraternity to get Latin mass. Here, 
um, what actually happened was that the Latin mass was diffused all throughout both dioceses. It was very, very generous. And I say that in the article, and that's why we are grateful um, to Cardinal Gregory and to Bishop Burbage um, for allowing, for having allowed it. Um, you know, there were um, 20-something locations in uh, Arlington that had regular Latin masses, I believe 21. Um, there were seven that had regular Latin masses in D.C., um, so it, and it was exactly as Monsignor Pope, you highlight the quote from, uh, from him. He's a, a priest of, uh, in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. It coexisted very peacefully with, um, within the parishes. Um, the TLM really enriched um, all of the parishes that had it. Um, people who attended the TLM were very well integrated, are very well integrated into their parish communities, really pillars. You have, you know, book clubs where you have both Novus Ordo and TLM attendees um, both together. You have people who attend the TLM and Novus Ordo interchangeably. You have um, very beautiful, reverent Novus Ordos uh, celebrated by priests who know the old mass as well. Um, so you really saw the promises of Sumorum Pontificum uh, and the graces of Sumorum Pontificum play out in both of these locations where you had wide diffusion, you had deeper knowledge of the Novus Ordo among the priests, you had very um, TLM attendees strengthening their parish communities, um, participating actively in, in parish functions, um, so you had all of these amazing successes, and it shows that the model of Samorum Pontificum, of allowing the free um, celebration of the traditional Atmas, it works, it, it, and it, it produces a renewal, it produces vocations, um, it, it fills the pews on Sunday. Um, it's great. It, it, it provides financial donations to the uh, diocese. So that's something where um, the model that was followed until um, this month in both Arlington and D.C. Uh, was was very successful, um, extremely successful. And we hope it will, obviously, we hope it will continue to be successful in terms of being, of us being integrated, uh, TLM attendees being integrated into parish communities. We think we will, you know, continue to be associated with parishes, but it's much tougher. It's a, there's a lot of scattering going on, you know, especially in D.C., where people who are very involved in those parishes that had Latin mass and now are being shuttled off to three mass centers. It's tough to form the same level of parish involvement um, when you're, you know, going to a once weekly um, Latin mass at the Franciscan monastery, but the Franciscan monastery isn't really a parish, you know, it doesn't really have a parish life. So, you know, maybe you go to your old legacy location um, to take part in parish life. Maybe you start new things at the Franciscan monastery. Um, but it's it's very confusing and a lot of very good, um, very strong communities are being scattered as a result of these new restrictions. Yeah, one um, D.C. Um, former resident told me that the Franciscan monastery that one of the locations is, is kind of really off the beaten path. It's it's not very well frequented already. Um, and I'm just 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 having been to DC for the first time last, last January, it doesn't seem to be, I mean, it's not a very large region. It's not like a large city like Chicago or something. Um, is, is the diocese of DC, is it, is it exactly coinciding with the actual political jurisdiction of DC? Is it the exact same shape or is it larger? It's larger. Um, it includes Southern Maryland of the three counties of Southern Maryland 
and it includes um, Montgomery and Prince George's counties um, in, in Maryland. So it's D.C. and immediately adjacent counties in Maryland. Oh, OK. So then. Um, but the, the funny thing about it is, and what Monsignor Pope brings out is that it's probably one of one of the most diverse areas. They, they were, he was mentioning, I think, like a dozen different languages where the mass was celebrated. Um, whereas, I, I mean, I, I would assume many large cities, I don't, I don't live in a very large city, but in my city, generally it's just English and Spanish. Uh, there's, I think there's maybe a few Asian parishes where there's some uh, Asian language used, but mostly it's English and Spanish. So it's, do you know, what other, do you know any other languages besides those two that are uh, language communities in DC area? Yeah, Old St. Mary um, has Chinese uh, language mass. Um, they're, in, they're in Chinatown um, in D.C. Um, okay, so yeah. I know that they have they have a, a, a Chinese community there. Um, and um, I'm, I'm sure that there are um, others that I that I'm not thinking of, um, both in northern Virginia and in uh, D.C., um, St. Rita, for example, has um, a very, very vibrant Spanish language community, a very vibrant, uh, lots of people who attend uh, Novus Ordo um, and lots of people who attend TLM. Um, and all three are thriving um, and have great communities. So what what would you say to the, so, I mean, the, what is being said by our many of our bishops uh, is that because uh, you, you mentioned earlier, I, I don't understand why they're doing this. Well, the reason that they give is that the people who go to the Latin Mass are dividing the church because they are using the Latin Mass to promote the idea that they're the one true church and everybody else is not the church or something like that. Or, you know, we we reject ecumenical councils, um, things like that. Um, what do you say to that uh, reasoning that this is a source of division? Well, it, it, it pains it pains me to, to even hear that um, because um, it's uh, it, it's really not true. Um, so I mean, I, people who um, I mean those are really not issues at all. It's almost tough to begin to know where to begin uh, with with stuff like that. Um, I th I think I mean this was the, you know the universal mass of the church for thousands of years. Um, it's, you know, it was adored by people who had very different um, ideologies. Um, there was a piece that, that came out recently that noted that Dorothy Day, um, left left-wing Catholic um, social activist, loved the TLM. Agatha Christie loved the TLM. There's nothing, um, in, there's nothing about the TLM that is in any way um, ideological, and and it's tough to know where that where that uh, comes from. There's there the people who attend the TLM. Um, in my experience, are, are extremely faithful Catholics who um, who love the church and who love the Pope, who pray for the bishops, pray pray for the Pope, um, and are very likely are in a lot of ways more likely um, uh, not to put down others, but are, are very committed Catholics who are much more likely in some ways to um, have read and understood Vatican II. Um, so it's it's totally not true. Um, that there was, you know, people were, were schismatic or were saying that they were the one true church. And I think a big testament of, to that is that 
um, mo pretty much everyone is uh, is staying within the the church even after this, even after having been kind of pushed to the margins, um, you know, with masses being held off off site, um, not in parish churches anymore. Um, very few. I haven't really spoken to anyone who's thinking of leaving. Um, there's no one who's we're not going. Nobody's going anywhere. Um, so. It's just for me, it's kind of mind boggling and, and very unfortunate because I hear it brought up now that the TLM is controversial. It's like I, I it really isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to um, read these comments from Monsignor Pope that you had quoted. I, I just so this is included in the volume from Benedict's piece to Francis's war, which is a uh, number of different responses from all sorts of different perspectives and viewpoints sort of in the whole Catholic a sphere from cardinals and bishops and priests and laymen all responding to traditionus custodis and one of them is monsignor pope a very well-known and well-respected commentator priest of the archdiocese of washington uh so he has see, has this to say in this article this is from page 80 of the book um which you quote in your article he says that to be sure there are some well-known personalities in traditionalist circles who stir up passions about liturgical and other matters, including Second Vatican Council. But it is not reasonable to attribute the sins of a vocal minority to an entire movement. Yes, some people advance the superiority and glory of the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass. But I know many Catholics from Eastern Rites who think their liturgies are vastly preferable and even superior to the Roman Rite. Many Catholics in the neo-catechumenal way assert that the church will not experience reform until their liturgy and their way is celebrated by all. In African-American parishes where I serve, there is a great pride in the joy of their worship and a wonderment at why so many other parishes seem to have dead and short liturgies. This is very common in the, in the African, uh, especially in, in Africa. There's very long liturgies, like two hours long, just worshiping. Um, and he, he continues, people are passionate about what they love, sometimes to a fault, but for the majority, this is human and generally kept within a tolerable range of sparring and bluster rather than disgust and deep division. I fear the Pope is using a cannon to kill a fly. Um, so I think what's interesting about my senior Pope is he said, he, he just admit, hey, well, people are saying that these things are superior, but that's okay, that, and it's just normal you know, for people to say that. Um, and in the, in the, in DC, there's so many different parishes with so many different rites and different languages that Eastern rites and Anglican use and neocatechumenal way. And they're all sort of fighting with each other as to what's the best, but somehow they're all at peace with each other. What are your comments on, on that, his, uh, observation? Yeah, I think that there's, um, I mean, there, there's a healthy competition, um, between different parishes as to, you know, we're going to have really spectacular liturgy. You know, we're going to have beautiful, we're going to, in a way, compete to see, you know, who has the most beautiful altars and the most beautiful church, who has the most reverent liturgy. But that's all very, that's all very healthy. You know, it's it's healthy to take into account um, what people want and, to, and ultimately to try to pack the pews every Sunday, Um or every weekday. I mean, that, that's what we should be striving towards. So, you know, to say that, oh, I, I like, you know, this church better or that church better, it's, it's unavoidable. And, and when, in, in terms of liturgical variations, 
there, uh, the novus order lends itself to liturgical variation, right? I mean, that was one of the reasons uh, for it was that it would allow for enculturation from different um, traditions. So, you know, there's there's French masses and thinking about it, there's, you know, French language masses, there's Italian um, masses or Italian influence masses. Um, there's so much diversity within the liturgy in the church. And to say that the one thing that you can't have is the liturgy of the church as it existed for thousands of years, um, it's just very, very confusing. Um, and I don't think that there's any, I mean, the, the problems in the church um, are just that there aren't, pe people aren't going to mass. I mean, that's really the most fundamental problem is plummeting church attendance. It's that people aren't having their, their babies baptized in the church. It's that people aren't getting married in the church so much. I mean, those are the, those are the problems. The problems are not, um, you know, an, an influencer or someone online saying that they think that the TLM is better or they think the, you know, Melkites are better or something like that. I mean, that's, that's so far from, I mean, looking at the, the state of the church today and identifying that as the issue. Um, and, and, and it just lends itself to thinking, well, you know, that can't, it really can't be the issue. There has to be something else. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about the first initiative that you began, which is the Rosary Rallies. Here's your article at 1 Peter 5, uh, which has the photo um, on the top here of you. This is, uh, you can see yourself right behind the um, sign here. And I think what's funny is like what we just talked about. This is a, a quite a diverse group, both ethnically and age wise. Um, you know, we have people from multiple generations and uh, national ethnic backgrounds. Um, and tell us about so tell us about the, the Rosary Rally so far and tell us about where you are in D.C. right here. So we are outside the uh, Papal Nunciature. That's the uh, basically the embassy for the Vatican within Washington, D.C., um, we have uh, heard um, that the nunciature is, has been involved in um, enforcing these restrictions. Um, you know, these are just rumors. We don't we don't know them for a fact. Um, but as the the kind of symbolic um, location of of the Vatican, um, I think it's it's appropriate for us to go there um, every week and, and pray for an end to restrictions. Um, show our, you know, offer a bit of sacrifice um, in terms of our prayers um, and, you know, and, and really just express how much love we have for the TLM. So we, I, uh, we had been, I mean, there had been discussions about we need to do this um, for months. Um, in France, they do this as well. Um, they pray outside of the Nunciature uh, in Fran uh, the French embassy for the Vatican. Um, and, you know, we thought after these, the restrictions from Arlington especially came down, which were so much worse than we had anticipated, I just felt now is the time um, to, start the, to, do, to start the rosary rallies um, because, you know, this, this is such a devastating loss for us personally, um, you know, in terms of, of the restrictions. And it's such a devastating, but more importantly, it's such a devastating loss for the church. Um, you know, the graces that have come from the TLM uh, are just amazing and, and innumerable. I mean, the TLM is a liturgy that sustained the church for thousands of years. It's almost the, the least we can do um, to show our appreciation um, and love for the, the TLM 
uh, to come out and, and, you know, give an hour of our time every week and pray and, and kind of make that kind of uh, personal sacrifice and show of sorrow and also gratitude. Now, have you, uh, tell us about the, these are uh, people from every different parish then, um, ha and have oh, you had yeah. any contact with any bishops or priests or nuncio people, anything like that? There's a brief, after the first one, there was a brief visit uh, to, from a priest to ask if we uh, were, were expecting or we, we were expecting someone or wanted to go in. Um, very short, friendly conversation. We haven't um, had any, we haven't seen any officials since then. Um, and the, uh, and when you talk about the group, yeah, these, these, uh, we are from all over both diocese, both Archdiocese of Washington and Diocese of Arlington. Um, we've had people from Pennsylvania come down. We've had uh, people from way out in the country in Virginia who have joined us. Um, we've had, uh, a, and the group is really great. Um, one of the things that's been, and, and this is why it's so important these days to strengthen our communities because um, through these rosary rallies, I have met so many great friends, um, lifelong friends, people who um, have been, you know, who are who I learned from. Um, and I think that the, this is I think what the one Peter five article says at the end is that this is, you know, kind of a call to TLM communities um, to start doing something like this. And I, I agree. I think it's very important for us to draw closer together as Catholics. And that's something that we can take from these restrictions is being a, a call for us to, you know, get to form closer communities, um, you know, of people who love the TLM, maybe people who uh, love both liturgies, um, people who love the Novus Ordo, but are just sympathetic, um, you know, for those groups to kind of come and form, because uh, I've gotten so much out of, out of these rosary rallies. I mean, I've made amazing connections um, and lifelong friends. Um, I couldn't, so the other item we're discussing, the pilgrimage, um, is not something that I could have done on, on my own. Um, and it's through, you know, the connections that, um, I've made, we've, we've made as a community at the rosary rally, that's planning something like that is even possible or, or envisioning something like that's even possible. Yeah. I want to get into the, the pilgrimage in just a minute, but first, um, what would you say to people who see this and they say, well, I mean, you only got a couple dozen people, you know, why should the church bend over backward for you? You know, this is just a small little group of people. Just just get along with the program and, you know, get with everybody else. Um, well, I mean, I think that there I don't know that there's any other cause that I could get people to come uh, for 10 a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday um, to pray the, pray the rosary for, I mean, an end to abortion would be, would certainly be one. Um, but you know, this is, um, the TLM really moves and in, inspires people. And, um, you know, so getting, um, you know, 25 people, uh, to come, I think is a show of, of how much this means to people. It's how much, um, this cause means to, uh, means to us. Um, because, you know, a lot of people, uh, have families and, and, Etc. And a lot of people are, are, you know, doing other stuff on on Saturdays. Um, but, it, you know, it's not about for, for us. It, it's it's more about just showing our devotion to the TLM and how much it, it's meant to us. And I think every you know, every soul matters. Every, every person matters. Um, and, you know, we, we all have friends and family members 
Um, there have been very eloquent articles that have been published about people who've come back into the church through the TLM um, and how important it is for them to sustain their faith um, and also how important it is for evangelization. You know, we uh, it says in the diocesan implementation plan, we're 2.5 percent of the Arlington diocese. That's all. I mean, that's up 10 percent from 10 years ago. We were maybe 0.25. Um, it's a very fast-growing and very devoted um, part of the church. So, you know, if it's whether it, it's 2.5% uh, or, or higher or lower, um, that number has gone up a, a lot in the last 10 years. There are a lot of people who have discovered this, and it continues to grow. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the bishops are so, you know, some at least a minority of bishops um, are wanting to crack down on it. It is because they see the growth of it and they think, wow, this is this is changed. This is not what this was not scheduled. This is not something we expected. You even see that in the cover letter to Samorum Pontificum, where Pope Benedict is saying, oh, no, this won't become the dominant liturgy of the church anymore. You know, this this requires a knowledge of Latin. You know, some people are drawn to it, but don't worry, it's, it's not going to be too many people. Um, and it's it's kind of a strange uh, feeling that I think a lot of people um, that a, a lot of people um, you know have some sort of reservations um, about the uh, about the TLM and it's confusing to me as to why. But I do think it does go back to you know the the generation for whom Vatican II was formative. You know, they saw the the path, and this is now, again, a minority of bishops. They saw the church going down a certain path, and they see the TLM as another path, and they're very confused by it and don't really understand what, what it is, you know. Yeah, I think that's a really great point that you raise, and that's the rate of growth, uh, because obviously, yes, Latin mass attendings are, you know, 1% to 2% of the population in a given diocese or even less in some places, but the rate of growth has been very, very high. Um, and when you compare other groups or other initiatives, uh, you know, you compare Latin mass religious orders to other religious orders. Um, it, it's quite clear that the statistics are showing that obviously, I mean, not not all places are declining, but there is a lot of decline in very many areas. And the Latin mass is one of the areas which is not declining. It's doing the opposite. Um, so let is is the Twitter account the best way to keep in contact with what's going on? Is that where we, people should go? Oh yes, um, Twitter account uh, will have a lot of updates, um, and then um, for and definitely give that a follow. Um, and that has updates about the rosary rallies and about the um, and about the um, the pilgrimage as well. Um, yeah, let me get that. Um, where is here? It is. Oh no, this is the rosary rally. Where's the pilgrimage? I was going to get the pilgrimage uh, promo. I'll find it. <laughs> but tell us about the pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Uh, there, there's a well. There's an, a great article by Ed Penton um, about the pilgrimage. Um, so yeah, the pilgrimage is coming up on September Saturday, September seventeenth. Um, mark your calendars. It starts out at nine a.m. Um, from St. Thomas More Cathedral in Arlington, Virginia, and we will um, process um, uh, across over Wilson Boulevard 
in um, across the Key Bridge, and we will we will end up at St. Matthew the Apostle um, Cathedral um, in Washington D.C. We will be um, singing um, uh, Marian hymns. We will be praying the Rosary. Um, we will have uh, beautiful signs and, and banners and flags um, and processional crosses. Um, you know, please, if you would like to donate to make it even more beautiful, um, we, I mean, we, there's, there's many ways to help. Um, please pray for us. Um, we hope to have a live stream of it as well. Um, and if, if people are in the area and they don't feel up to the walk, um, it's about a two hour walk, um, they can meet us at St. Matthew the Apostle um, at 11 and, um, and come, you know, pray with us there. Um, so, yeah, and we have beautiful um, promotional imagery. Uh, which I should probably repost so that, <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's, it's coming up on uh, um, September 17th at 9am. And that was the, our most recent rosary. I have um, beautiful footage there of the singing um, that we do between the, the mysteries. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. So here, here's footage of the rosary rally on Saturday. Um, and so here's the participants and uh let me see i was trying to find the um the actual promotional i, I should have gotten this ready i guess oh here it is here it is the beautiful promotional uh this is the rosary Alley too so the 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 pilgrimage mm -hmm. um is so the people need to go to give send go to help raise the money for all mm -hmm. the costs of this so i just put the link for that in the uh chat so if you can't especially if you can't make it in person why not contribute there's always cost for all these different things all the different things that need to be arranged um so please donate that we'll put that in the ch in the link below um <clears throat> and so it's a two mile hike from saint thomas moore arlington to the cathedral of saint matthew the apostle is so is saint matthew the apostle one of the i think there's three designated locations in dc for the latin mass is that correct that's right there's three um and in uh that's not one of them unfortunately it's a beautiful but it is the main cathedral for washington dc um and it, it's got a beautiful that's uh it's got a beautiful it's a beautiful church it's a beautiful holy place um um Pope Benedict um, visited there when he came to Washington, D.C. in 2008. Um, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful church. Um, and it's the main cathedral of Washington, D.C. St. Thomas More is the main cathedral of um, the Diocese of Arlington. Uh, if you would like more information, they found the website tlmpilgrimage.com, um, which has a lot of information. It has the plan, the walking directions, um, the route. Um, it has the uh, what we will be praying and singing will be going up there shortly. We're working on that. Um, but, you know, we we want this to be uh, to really just show, demonstrate the beauty and vitality of the TLM um, movement within the Diocese of Arlington in the in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And, you know, um, evangelize. We want to um, pray and make a show of gratitude um of sacrifice um you know and and just um you know have a beautiful kind of marian procession fantastic and do you have any information as to how many people have signed up so far 
Well, we have, uh, it's been, it's almost doubled in the last week on the Facebook page. Um, we have uh, about 175 people on Facebook who say that they're interested in coming, which is double what it was last week. Hopefully it'll, it'll double again in the next week. Um, I would say um, as far as crowd size, I, I have, don't have much of an idea. Um, I would say about um, 100 to 150, but it's been growing. The, the number of signups and RSVPs has been growing. And I hear of people coming from all over the country um, to participate in it. Um, so I, I expect a, a pretty, pretty healthy crowd um, on, on the 17th to come uh, march with us. Um, and, and my my focus uh, has been on making it just a beautiful, holy, um, reverent occasion um, where you know we where we pray, we sing Marian um, antiphons, um, and just really demonstrate our love for the for the traditional Latin Mass, and Excellent. for our bishop, and for our um, yeah. you know express gratitude at the same time to our bishops for having allowed it, um, for, to Bishop Burbage and Cardinal Gregory um, for you know implementing some more in pontificum in the way that it was meant to be implemented. You know, uh, they, a lot of dioceses in throughout the country never allowed the free diffusion of the traditional Latin mass. And it's really sad. Um, we, you know, we're a testament to its fruits in a, in a lot of ways. We benefited from the, the generous actions of these, uh, of Bishop Burbage and Cardinal Gregory in allowing it and previous, um, the Cardinal Gregory's predecessors as well. Um, and, and Burbage's predecessors, and um, it, we're not angry. Um, we're just we're just praying, and and we're just wanting to come deeper into communion with the church. Yeah, I've just got the um, the Facebook, but you 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 raise this very very important aspect of this, and this is gratitude for what a blessing this has been, because not all dioceses have implemented tomorrow pontificum and i see that there's another mass scheduled i think it's the 20th for just gratitude for the latin mass mm -hmm. yes that's um that should be beautiful that's at um saint anthony of padua um in brookland uh washington dc um that'll be on september 20th um and that will be a a, a beautiful occasion as well it'll be the last latin mass that they'll have at saint anthony of padua um and that's a um that's something that has th that church attracts a lot of people from Catholic University. A lot of younger Catholics go there um, and it should be um, an occasion well worth checking, well worth uh, attending on the 20th um, at St. Anthony of Padua, Padua. Fantastic. And so the, here's the the um, the Facebook page as well. So I'm putting that in 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 the. Uh, chat as well. So click on that. Make sure you give that a like and you share that. Uh, now, is there an event page as well? For there the is. Yes, there is. There is an event page for the pilgrimage. If you type in National Samoran Pontificum Walking Pilgrimage um, on the events, it should show up. Um, and that's important. That's where we're getting. Uh, we're getting a lot of people RSVP'd um, on the event page. Um, and if it might be under events, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we've we've gotten about 175. There it is, um, about 175 people who are interested um, in coming. Yeah, so definitely, uh, if you're anywhere near the area, this is absolutely a great cause to show up for the National Sumarum Pontificum 
walking pilgrimage. Um, this is really exciting. I'm really glad that we can, even if those can't can't participate physically, they can at least see the pictures. You're gonna you're gonna write about it. You're gonna broadcast it, um, and we can all all of your brethren in these United States can spiritually participate through that uh, broadcast of it as well. Uh, but again, make sure you donate because there's always costs associated with all these things. So, um, any final thoughts, Noah, thank you so much for your, uh, your sharing all these things. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Um, and like I said, this is, um, not something, as I say in the article, not something I could have ever imagined, uh, doing, uh, two years ago, just uh, amazing graces that have come from, from the TLM and from this community, um, that, you know, have, have allowed this to kind of um, come together and, you know, I encourage people all over the country um, who are facing this confusing time within the church um, and, and about the future of the deal. I'm just, you know, grow closer as a community, um, you know, start doing weekly rosary rallies, um, start doing weekly rosaries. Um, this is a time when, uh, you, you know, we can't do this alone. None of us can. Um, so we need to use this as, a, as an opportunity to draw closer together um, as Catholics um, with all of the difficulties and, and troubles in the world these days. Excellent. Well, I, Noah, thank you very much for that final comment, because I think it really illustrates a very Catholic response to suffering and difficulties is that we we face adversity and we like Our Lady, we say fiat, let it be done to me. You accept it and you you draw closer from it. Um so let's let's end with praying a Hail Mary to uh, offer all these intentions to Our Lady that she may purify them and uh, help us to offer this this pure sacrifice, not only in the TLM, but of our hearts every single day in uh, our thoughts, words and deeds. And at the end, we'll invoke our patrons of uh, one Peter five. Uh, is there an official patron or anything that uh, you've dedicated the efforts to Noah that we can invoke with this? Uh, well, of course, Blessed Virgin Mary um, has been watching over this whole thing. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Well, let's pray a Hail Mary to end this out. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, full of grace. The, Lord the Lord is with, is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women. women. Blessed is the fruit Blessed of thy womb, womb Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. Blessed Emperor Carl, pray for us. Saint Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus is King. <laughs>